Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Have you ever met someone and thought their job sounded cool? Or perhaps you're wondering how you can get to a position that doesn't seem to match any of the qualifications you have at the moment. Well, if so, this podcast is for you. We found some people with jobs that you might not necessarily know about or expect people to have, and we're going to ask them about how they got there. Welcome to What Do They Do? A podcast about jobs and how people got them. Hey there, welcome to the podcast. Today, we're hearing from Matt Crowhurst. Uh, he's actually someone I went to school with. Um, so he's had a wakeboarding career, you know, MC's events. So he and I spoke about events that have been affected by COVID and what he's been working on since that all hit. And we also ended up talking about our different routes from a very kind of traditional education um, and our own hopes and aspirations for our own child's education as well, as we've both been subjected to homeschooling. Um, so yeah, we had a really interesting chat around that, a bit more in depth than we would imagine, having known each other since we were about 11. So sit back and enjoy. I hope you find it interesting. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode. Today I am joined by Matt Crowhurst. Um, I'll let him introduce himself in a moment, but just for reference, if we seem far too familiar is because we used to go to school together um hey matt how you doing it hasn't changed has it it hasn't changed we regress in literally seconds yes yes. i've literally time traveled now i'm sad to say and you two a good 21 years 21 22 years that's how long it's been wow more than half a long time and what's and what have we achieved? Um, I think we can both tick off hardly listen to podcasts. That's definitely <laughs> you know why that is? because we're 40 years old. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. We've got all the kit, though. Um, the I think I think everyone of our age has now got like ringed lights, really expensive microphones. Um, but genuinely, uh, we should get into... I'm really interested to hear what your answer to this is going to be. Hey, Matt Crowhurst, what do you do? I'm retired over the past year. (laughs) Not very much. Apparently, wakeboard coach and live event host and commentator and presenter is not considered key work, which I'm a little bit obsessed (laughs) about. I thought I was performing a vital role for society, keeping keeping it wearing. 
I mean, pretty much all of your recent work is um, at places where people gather together um, at events. Not, not, which expressly, probably... not expressly for me, I might add. Um, I could delude myself, but no. Uh, yes, um, I chose the line of work which is always the first to go in any kind of crisis. Marketing. It's out the window. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It hasn't been a great year on the financial front. Yeah, because uh, you, I mean, if we go back then to March, I, I work in, right, so I do training for teachers. So as much as I got a little bit worried about, because I did a lot of in-person events, like it, that has not really been a huge challenge for me. We've turned it all remote. Um, sure there's, but yeah, been like, even, there's been even more of a call for your training on the remote side of things, right? Yeah, yeah, we've been busy. Definitely all been right, busy. All right. So, what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Now you get to laugh at me in terms of choice of life plans and adulting. Exactly. Yeah. When we were, when when I was doing further maths, <laughs> and you were, and you were in the common room having fun, <laughs> it may, it may have seemed like I made the wrong choice. But but here we are. Here we are. I I got my 30, 38 and a half years of fun out of the way. (laughs) What was on the agenda, like January, February? I had had some trips booked and some events, things like that. What would you, what was 2020 kind of holding in store for you in terms of events? It was going to be busy. Um, Luckily, we got as far as getting my winter series of stuff done it, it got finished just before lockdown so what i do in the winter is um i work with a with with a with a crew called asl activation who do a lot of big big events including uh, a series called arena cross which is a motocross a freestyle motocross it, it, it's like it's a proper serious sporting competition but it's a show it's a it's a spectacular across the uk's biggest arena so we do wembley the nec uh, Belfast, SSE, uh, uh, where else have we been? We went to Glasgow, we go to Sheffield, we go to Newcastle, Manchester, Liverpool, um, and then I do a, a show over uh, uh, New Year in Liverpool, um, which is weirdly an equestrian event. Um, so we got all of that done, um, and that finished just before. And then, yeah, I was. there were a couple of fun things on the horizon, like I was, um, was going to be doing the UCI BMX World uh, World Cup racing, so BMX racing for UCI, which is the governing body for cycling the world over, and they have this BMX series that travels around the world, and that was going to be in Manchester. I was going to be doing some hosting for that, and there was a little bit of talk of hosting a working with a particular car company that is involved with the Formula One, and they look after a stand. It's like the car company stand. I was going to be hosting that. So not doing main commentary for anything. Um, I wasn't going to be in the pits or anything with old Craig, Craig boy. Um, but that was obviously the next step after that first foray into Formula One. So he's lucky for another year, I think. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there were a couple of things. And then I, I, uh, the, the usual stuff uh, for me is um, Goodwood Festival of Speed and then a bunch of wakeboarding events and then some more motocross. And, and then... In the summer, a lot of it is is wakeboarding and coaching and coach training and wakeboarding and yeah, that got all kicked to touch, unfortunately. Yeah, because I mean, to 
so a lot of that was then was sort of emceeing and hosting events right yeah. and then wakeboarding is your um well when we when so when we met when we were 11 you were already water skiing quite a lot by that point i think so i i was water skiing from the age of five and i carried on through till the age of 15 and that type of water skiing is called three eventing or tournament which is the slalom which is the side to side uh zigzagging around boys um the trick skiing which is all the twizzly stuff and then the ski jumping which is launching yourself off a ramp so i did that pretty full on until i was 15 and then at 15 discovered wakeboarding and uh yeah just got stuck into that and it was a pretty easy transfer and then as with well, I'd say with, with most sports, really, most of the people that you see on TV who are commentating on a sport in some form have a background in sport to a, a fairly full-on degree, um, which is how it should be, obviously. Uh, and my inroad into commentary was through wakeboarding. I blew my knee a four months after leaving school at 19, which was going to be my uh, my foray full-on into, into wakeboarding full-time. I, I, I basically I, I took the long and considered decision to not go to university. It was a tough call to make for me, as you knew at the time. While you're on the UCAS, weeks of anguish. Yeah. I, I just that whole period, the stress of a UCAS form that I just that just passed me by completely. Um, another way in which I had a lot more fun times over that last. I mean, how long did that take you to fill your UCAS form out? I'm surprised I didn't remember the name of it. I don't, I don't was it stress? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you knew me through my teenage years and I had a bit of a funny habit of when the pressure was on, when everyone would go, right, we're not my game now, um, I would kind of defiantly leave everything to the last minute. So that, I, mean, I don't really remember worrying We got along because neither of us had done any work for a good period. But in the back of my mind, I knew when you decided to do work, it would be much better than mine. Um well, this this is the funny thing. Actually, part of the reason behind the podcast is kind of um, so. Dean, who also hosts with me on a number of the podcasts, we've both got a background in education, and I think we've both kind of through education had this sneaky suspicion that it's not it, it's not a wide ranging experience for all people that go through education. It's kind of it works well for a middle ground of people, yeah. but if if you don't quite fit that mold you're given the impression a lot of the time that if you don't succeed at education, oh my word, you will fail and fall to the the edges of society very quickly. And actually one of the things of the podcast is you is finding out about that journey. So you're you know becoming an MC, there's not a course for it. There's not um a sort of defined route for it. Um and these are the interesting things about the conversation. Because yeah, we went to a high performing grammar school is that a fair way to describe it i mean that was both that that's us incarnate that little phraseology (laughs) (laughs) which on the face of it was like you know we 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 passed a test and got in when we were 11 Mm. and i remember being told a lot that we were very special um but used against you right you're in the top whatever percent therefore ergo stop wasting our time yeah um, and I, I, I don't know if you found this in the same way, because I, I followed a traditional route and I, you know, I quit, whereas you ignored the UCAS for <laughs> and any, like 
any thought of it. I don't remember I chose my trying to convince me. I don't remember a single person at university, at, at school, trying to convince me of any other path. Was I that much of a lost cause? Was that it? I had I had a word with the teachers. I just said, "Don't, don't, don't worry yourself." Leave me alone. You get lost cause with us. Because <laughs> mm. yeah, I did, I did. I was in a band and decided to leave the band to go to university. Um, Sorry, stop. <laughs> yeah, you you took the long and considered, painful decision to forego the very very great likelihood of succeeding. If we were going places. I, can, I can't think of the band name. I can only think of the one song which didn't have any singing in it, Desiccated Coconut. I can't believe you remember that I know, one. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that, that, that proved quite a useful song, actually, on the evening that I was not playing well. I don't think any of us were playing well. And our lead singer and lead guitarist um, <laughs> walked out. He just walked out of the gig. Um, so luckily, we had a song that didn't involve him, and we played that while he was, like, stropping outside. Um, yeah, Millhouse was the name of the band. Mill, um, that was it. massive in the uh, Birmingham skate punk scene. Um, actually, I mean, the greatest thing we ever did was we were at someone's birthday party at a gig, and one of the bands pulled out, and we just all happened to be there. And uh, I think it was like Cat Down and Fast. If anyone ever remembers any of those, yeah, bands. yeah, no? I remember there was a bit. <laughs> that gig, uh, them not being there. Yeah, I, I wasn't there, obviously. Well, you're you, my that's my music taste. Your music taste is more human league, um, at the time, I think, wasn't it? The boys still is, and the boys are getting a fantastical education in music with my good self. But I mean, it is it, it, the only things I don't like are uh, jungle, garage, jungle might have its place if you're raving, garage, hells no, uh. Uh, what, what, oh, open, open-minded Matthew. Yeah. No, no, no jungle. No, no. Um, uh, happy hardcore, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, no. And I have to say, and this is how old we are, m- much of the contemporary kind of uh, R&B that's, or, or rap music that you can't hear a word that people are saying, and it's all a voice decoder. Like, he sounds so- I know, yeah. Oh. Am I wrong? Don't, don't, wrong? They, don't they say that everyone has? If you ask someone, like, what year for you is the year that music ended? Um, so I think mine is around, I'd say, two thousand is when I stopped listening to new music. Is it really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I, there are some exceptions to that rule that that sneak in, but generally, like Taylor Swift. Whereas for you, it was 1985. Yeah, before it? I actually, it actually stopped before I got listening to music, which is strange. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So I bought, yeah. a, I bought a set of decks. Um, my new career path, a very solid, secure idea, is international DJ. So, uh, what? So just now, you like this year? You've uh, not even this. Do you get it's, it's been at least two months now. So. So as your backup career, you've gone for something that involves gathering at events. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, yeah. Hang on, we we, we digressed quite heavily. What were we talking about? UCAS forms, that was it. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's, yeah, that traditional route that you did, I took, and you did not. Um, 
But I don't know, when I, when I left out very high-performing school and went off to university, I discovered all of these, all these people I met who'd gone to you know, grimy state schools yeah. who were, you know, better than me uh, in many, many, many ways. And I think for me, it was a kind of moment of like, oh, so actually that, that particular school didn't really, like, you know, it wasn't the only place to get uh, a group of skills. And I think over the years, more and more, I've seen that it's a small part of the learning process and building up your skills. But you, know, you went off into, so you went off, so initially, yeah, I remember you talked about doing your knee and we can talk about that at another point because you cared very carefully for it after having the operation, if I remember correctly. Okay, so you're uh, thinking about a different one. Um, you're thinking about the previous knee operation, which I had while I was to the school. I just started wakeboarding. And uh, yes. what was a minor operation, arthroscopy, just to repair some cartilage, I, like, I went in at the weekend and sort of came, or on a Monday, and I came out on a Tuesday, and we went out partying on a Friday. And my knee might have swollen just a little bit and just was pissing blood for an entire weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, the the uh, the um, injury status hasn't changed much. After that, but the, with the injuries that you picked up, I mean, I think we had we had Brent on, who's a skateboarder recently, and I think all skateboarders can refer to kind of arthritic knees and broken ankles and all sorts of injuries. And is it sim? Is it pretty much the same for most wakeboarders that you end up with a variety of of injuries around what knees? Knees, yeah, and I'll, and I'll throw this in there now for anybody who does skateboard. Um, th- that and BMXing and uh, mountain biking, that sort of thing, um, downhill mountain biking, they're the gnarliest sports out there by, by, by a country <laughs> mile. Uh, and motocross as well. Um, million miles more gnarly than every other sport. I mean, I'm sure there are other sports. And obviously, if you're at the height of your game in every sport, especially those sports where you're taking on nature in some form or concrete, you're going to get smashed. So skateboarding, if you do that to any degree, you're just going to blow ankles and wrists and knees and shins and elbows and everything constantly. Um, but and I, I, the thing is with skateboarding, I can't imagine, and this might be doing them a disjust, uh, a, a, a disjust, an, a, an injustice, but I can't imagine skateboarders, your your day-to-day very good skateboarders, are any more conscientious about looking after their body or rehabbing than say I was. They'll they'll power through and they'll get back on their skate. Like skating is their fitness sort of thing, if you know what I mean. I might be totally wrong. That might be unfair. But that was certainly no. my trouble. Yeah. Well, Brent Brent, uh in terms of what he went on to do with setting up um a skate academy based around like young people and bringing young people through and building up skills there was he said the ethos of skateboarding is yeah you smash your teeth in and then you get back up and you try the the set steps or the rail again and you break a collarbone and you get back on and you try it again and again and again and he's used that with the young skateboarders to say we know how you approach skateboarding and they're like yeah i never give up so you are capable why you know and you can do you can do the maths too you can get a mass DCSE you can start up a, a business of your own and give them that kind of realization that that attitude they take into skateboarding could be really really successful elsewhere yeah you could take if you can take a physical beating like that and go again 
translate that into an emotional mindset beating of, I really don't want to do this, but do it. Because when, when things go wrong on a whiteboard, so you, uh, for anyone that's not seen it, I mean, I'd be, I feel surprised if so people hadn't, but if you search wakeboarding, you'll see people spinning and flipping off the back of a, a speedboat um, using the weight from the boat to kind of jump up in the air or, and do crazy or, things. And or, or, when that goes or wrong... That, or a cable these days. That's the cable is the is the one that's growing the most. So like a like a snow ski lift, but that goes around in a circuit and you can ping. It's, it's like a skate park on water. Um, yeah, sorry to interrupt, Ben, as you were. No, you, you're the guest. <laughs> you well, well I mean, what, so you were going to say in terms of the, the battery on the body. Yeah, so the the thing with, with wakeboarding where you get beaten is that um, even when you get it right, your 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 knees take an absolute pounding. Say compared with snowboarding or snow skiing, and those guys go absolutely huge. When they get it right, and being the mathematician and the engineer, I'm sure you could explain this in terms of science as far as impact and transition and height and velocity and all that bollocks, I don't understand. Um, with, with snowboarding and, and, and skiing, you're landing at speed on a slope. So if you get it right, the impact is minimal. Whereas wakeboarding, when you get it right, the impact is still intense and you'll get that impact 20 times a set repeatedly in quick succession, which you don't get with snowboarding. Of course, when it goes wrong, snowboarding and skiing from such great height, it goes hugely wrong. Um, but still, the impact is slightly lessened because of the angle, the trajectory. Um, so, yeah, knees just get shot wakeboarding uh and then skateboarding, I would imagine, that is the same. If you, if you, you're not taking. I would imagine that someone wouldn't go out and do a massive stair set twenty times. They'll probably take five punts at it, and, and if they haven't smashed themselves in that one session, they'll come back to it another time. But what's part of weightboarding is launching yourself massive and landing and riding away, and that could be on a boat or on a cable, off a kicker. So yes, knees get done, and I did my knees. I've done my knees pretty harsh. Uh, but that, that does that? Yeah, oh, go on. Sorry. Man. So with the knit, was having those those operations and kind of having those knee issues. Did that nudge you to look away from only the wakeboarding riding itself being the career to sort of actually what's around, or was it not really that conscious? Uh, no, it, luckily it wasn't a particularly conscious decision because luckily for some reason, whatever reason it was, even in that period from 15 to 19, I was actually quite good at kind of playing the, 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 the game in terms of being a, a, a sponsored rider. So I would always do more than just go out and ride. I was actually quite conscientious about hunting down, hunting down, um, the next angle, if you want to put it generically like that, whether that next angle would be hunting down a sponsor or the next angle would be hunting down something that would be putting me in the best light for my sponsors, like exposure in magazines and just working quite hard in magazines. And it kind of, it kind of helped that I could string a sentence together. So I was just thinking when we were, when we were talking about our old school as to what actual grounding that gave me. Well, I think there are lots of clever people and being around people that are fairly driven that's got to rub off on you to some degree so I think that grounding I had there probably helped me in, in, in terms of I don't know I don't know maybe you can put that into words words for me compared if I hadn't gone to Camp Hill I think 
it, it does frustrate me a little bit my time time at school because I just it, it, and maybe this is me unfairly thinking ill of the teachers for not kind of them assessing where I was in my life and saying well what do you do and what would help you do the things that you want to do and if someone had said to me well you need a freaking language I probably wouldn't listen but you need a freaking language and you you need how about photography how about videography how about just some better computing skills to do what you do and I only started learning to play with computer outside of school uh, which is stupid and here I am talking to the lad whose father was a our IT teacher. I should have made use of that. Um, but but you know what I mean? It, there didn't seem for the exact reasons that, that you were pointing out before in terms of our schooling environment, perhaps because it was, in inverted commas, a well-respected, quite high-performing school traditionally in terms of results. They probably didn't think outside the box in terms of how they could service the, the kids at, at, at the school better for those kids who didn't quite fit into that 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 box now that actually concerns me for my kids because i there may be a chance that one of our kids is going to be good at maths but with my wife and i at the helm it's not very likely and if the home learning is anything to go by it's looking that way and where are my passions and interests they definitely are in academics i'm more interested in academics now for the past 10 years than i was before but it concerns me that schools don't think in a in a, in, 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 in with a broader spectrum in mind for, for their kids. If you know what I mean, I, shit on on the IT front, our school is a really good school, but when teachers can't figure out how to get videos onto YouTube or how to make sound look good or how to make the picture that that we're looking at sort of more appealing and more exciting, when you've got some teachers, like, it, it worries me a little bit. That's just I. I I would imagine that that should be staple at every single school in the country, a certain amount of tech savvy. So, yeah, it it, it does concern me, as in what is the, the MO of the education system. There's a few like different. Like, I've obviously talked about our previous episode with Brent, where he's he's gone and done something different. He's based schooling around skateboarding. And exactly what you said. Yeah. You know they they work with the media because that's part of that skateboarding world, and they build the boards, um, and they they draw a lot of the maths and stuff out of that. You know they're inherently doing some sort of fundamental mathematics with the with the design of the boards but obviously that's not for everyone no, no there's a place for other stuff but yeah if you talk about our own kids I mean you um in terms of like the bits I see from what you share and bits on social media you get the boys you uh how old are your boys now it's like what six and four five six and four so you get them out and about you get them on the I've seen you wakeboarding with them and you know they follow you around in that outdoors life that you live. I mean, uh, I do, I do invite them along. It's not like I don't want them to come in terms of them following me around. I, yeah. In fact, they have you a choice. I force them. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say you encourage them. Yeah. 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 Um, so I suppose like they're getting exposure to a very different world to an academic world with that. Um, but like when you say a bit more academic, 
do you would you ever pull them out of school if you felt it was getting a little bit like our schooling and not just <laughs> here's a question for you would you homeschool them you know what if if we had a way of making money that that i could commit full time to schooling the boys I, i'd consider it certainly through junior school certainly I, I would i would certainly if there was a way we could afford it i would certainly seriously consider it, and, and I'd be happy if so says I can't do that. That has to be on you. I would seriously consider homeschooling if it meant taking a year a year out traveling. That that would be the main reason I'd do it. If we could go and do something that would be in a life experience that they wouldn't get at school, and we had to fill the gaps by homeschooling, that would be a reason to do it. I can't see really any reason to take the kids out of school other than for that, because our school is a good school, and obviously you're, they're learning an awful lot more in terms of just interacting that's what they're missing out on at the moment isn't it that the socializing and, and, and the education you get from that are we all are we all yeah we're all regressing on that front yeah uh so that that would be the reason but i'd seriously consider it for sure because whether i'd be good at it or not whether the kids would be behind in some way i think the worth you get out of that as a family and as an experience at, at, under the age of 11 for me makes sense because what would just what, what why wouldn't you why, why the, wouldn't you yeah well i've i've traveled around a bit to different countries and one like in particular finland is always mentioned in terms of education right um and uh your two boys wouldn't have started school proper in finland yet yeah they say that so um there's there's a book called Raising Boys, which you you may have heard of, and they're actually they they say that boys should be going to school later than girls, as in their their their, their cognitive abilities and just the way they function is just too all over the place and manic to be put in a chair to try and learn stuff at the age of that. Well, they should be going to school till four, um, but in Finland they don't start school until when? I think it's six or seven. Um, well, there is. There, I mean, I might need to have a fact-checking Santa come in straight after this comment. Yes. But, um, I, I believe a lot of it, like there's there's nursery type stuff, but it's all very outdoor focused. You know, like very exploratory kind of existence. The childcare that they're in until they're about six or seven, wow. and then kind of more formal, what we would recognise as schooling, kind of kicks in then. But obviously, like if you, you look at all the tables, Finland performs very highly in terms of outcomes wow which makes it interesting it does make it interesting honestly this country i i yeah it's not it's it's not a rosy situation is it what what what, where where what what examples of different types of schooling have you have you come across like independent schools that operate completely differently that work well independent schools that have gone that alternative route that where it doesn't work have, have you got any examples of that have you come across there's an inter- there's an interesting example in the netherlands that um i've had the chance to speak to the the director of it's called agora um in the netherlands it's a high school so 11 to 18 year olds um and the dutch school system they've got kind of levels there's there's different types of schools i forget which one this falls into but if you choose to go to that school um, at the age of 11, 
it has no grade levels, no year groups, no subjects. So every student that goes there chooses what they want to do. It, now, you get to choose from subjects on offer? Nope. They can pick whatever they want to do. They pick a project and they work on it. But they have to pick something. Like it's not like you can't you can you, have, you can't just fuck around. It's like the teachers will say, "Sling your rook if you're not actually going to do anything." Sort of thing. Well, that's interesting. So that's where I think everybody's mind. Everyone that knows a traditional education is like, "What?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I just do nothing. Um, so right, Rob, the guy that I've heard speak a few times and spoken to about the school, he gets that question all the time. Um, and he's got a he's got a few different answers to that, and he puts it much better than I do. Um, but he says, with the the staff that work there, they're not teachers; they're coaches. And he says, facilitators. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he says, forget everything you know about education, and use everything you know about learning. So he's he, the, he says one of the biggest challenges is actually hiring staff because a qualified teacher just doesn't have naturally have the skill set he he needs because it's different. It's just entirely different. Because all so, teachers are trained more or less within the system yeah. in terms of the system of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'm a math. I was a math teacher. So I you know. I, I've got my box to fit in. So that's a big challenge with them. But it's really interesting. By all accounts, kids are really successful. Um, so they pick a project and they meet in a team in the morning. So there's like 20 of them with a coach or a couple of coaches. And for that first morning, everyone talks about like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I've got on the horizon. These are some of the like pain points in my project. And they'll have a little discussion and then they kind of plan out what they're going to do that day. Um, but like every every kid has a desk somewhere in the building and the building's pretty funky it's a big open funky space with lots you know it looks as you would imagine a kind of open school like that to be um so one example that he's shared is that the couple of kids decided they wanted their desk to be the front half of a car nice so that's that yeah um so the coaches went great where are you going to get the front half of the car from how big does it need to be how are you going to get it here? And that's what they explored. So actually what they had to do was they had to find a scrapyard. They had to contact the scrapyard and figure out how they, you know, would like how you get front half of a car, how they would transport it to the school, how they're going to get it in the school. And then obviously how they would work it to kind of turn it into a functioning desk. So obviously they ended up doing a lot of, you know, they had to figure out a lot of stuff along the way. Um, interestingly, they, they still have tests at the end of their time, so like national tests, like anyone else. Oh, really? The question was, yeah, the question was always like, so what happens with those? And again, this is just going on a few things that I've heard from from a guy Rob who who leads the school. So the, there's a lot more to it, and I'll put some links in the description so everyone can explore a bit more. Yeah. Um, but I think he essentially said in a few cases, students will come up to him and, and go, so what are these state tests about then? And he'll go, I don't know. And, <laughs> and essentially, and they'll go, okay, I'll go and figure it out. Because they got to that point at the school that that's just normal. I want, oh, someone's talking about tests. Well, I'll, I'll go and find the information. 
Um, but those tests, yeah. I mean, that that's amazing to, to if, if they do have that chill approach and they go and figure it out. But surely, and this is one trying to hard to get your head out of this Victorian system of education. Surely the tests are all based around the education that everybody else is undergoing. So how on earth can those kids tick those boxes in those areas? So ticking the boxes was an interesting one, actually. So the big challenge for them was how do you assess this? How do you kind of track where everyone's at? Um, so three students took that on as their project and built. Oh, I, bet they were, I bet they were hated at school. <laughs> they're, they're, still, so they built a system. they're still absolute nerds at that school then as well, obviously. Well, they incorporated the product they made. So it was used by the school. Other schools like, oh, can we have a go? So they incorporated it and sold it as a company. You know, it's like get, sold subscriptions. I think well, they were at 16. So it's actually a labor camp, this school. <laughs> well, I like it. Yes. So they actually sold those car desks off and started mass manufacturing them. Just for reference, the kids owned the business, not, oh, not oh, the school. Okay, right. Okay. That, that, makes, that seems fairer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so there's a few examples, but they're few and far between. There's another school which is kind of a real, and it's got it's got campuses like in Thailand and a few other places, but it's like just open school. Uh, you know, they just go all over the place. I need to look that one up as to what that one is. But they, there's there's little examples, but I've I've not really seen a system that's gone different. I mean, Finland has a more um phenomenon based learning i think is what they call it um so they base it around again like projects more so than today we're learning fractions um but it's yeah it's varied and but where did we how did we get to that because we're very grown up men and as, yeah. I, as I said i'm more interested in learning than i ever was at school to me that is exactly that that could not be more perfectly descriptive of, of the problem how do you ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You get kids interested in, in the joy of learning now I, I, I'm not particularly good at it. I, my mind's like a sieve, but I soak up the, the 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 information wherever I can. I like listening and learning stuff. Um, I'd go back to how do you how do you do that? Um, um, I watch a lot of conspiracy stuff on YouTube for sure. Bright bar, yeah, yeah. bright bar, yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to the Trump rally. I somehow got in there. <laughs> Um, was that was that you in the, the the horny hat and that was me? Yeah, I I just thought it was, I, I dressed up for some sort of fancy dress illegal rave and just got swept along. I, I was high, but not jungle, not jungle, not jungle. Not jungle no. no, 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 not at all. Um, yeah, I I am interested in learning now, and I, I'm so desperate for the kids to have a joy for learning, and you just you just wonder. We wonder where does that come in the in the in the education system that that we're in. That's what concerns me, and I I don't do enough to learn about it. And I think it brings it really home as to how much you are engaged with the education system when it's suddenly plumped on your own desk next to you at home for a year. Where last year in the sunshine, we may have had a few margaritas in the middle of the day when home learning should have been on. Um, <laughs> And 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 this year and, and and this time round, it's been very different. And we've been very on it. And the schools have been much more well. They weren't prepared because they went back for a day, and then they had to cobble together all the home learning overnight. Thank you, the government. Um, but it's been much better this time round. Um, but it it, it 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 one makes you in awe of teachers. Full stop. And and two also makes you concerned as to who the bloody hell's in charge of this and how do they make our kids enjoy learning? Like how, how, how does that happen? Cause that's, that's a, if you can make every single kid enjoy learning, then you're set, right? That that's it. I mean, in that's some form the... or other, if they, if they find a need to learn more, if they have an, an insatiable want for more information, then, then it doesn't matter what you put in front of them. They will soak it up, but you just wonder how is that, how is that achieved? Certainly not within the school system I can remember. But this is where I should be obviously referencing lots of research and books um, around theories of learning that I could I could put forward. Um, but I, I'm thinking what I meant. I'm thinking about so our boys have uh, the option for guitar lessons came around school, and we were like, and I like I played the guitar badly. I didn't ever have any lessons. Um, I just wanted to sound like the punk records I was listening to. Good enough reason. That's, that, that, was, that was my motivation. Yeah. So we said to the boys, do you want to do do get guitar lessons? And they were like, yes. And we're like, you know, and you've probably been through this. So we're going to pay for guitar lessons for a term and you're, you want to do guitar lessons for the whole term. Yeah. 
just clarifying before we pay anyway so we went through that rigmarole and they're like yeah we really want to do it they had their first lesson and the guitar teacher is like really engaging guy with them they were like hey do you want to practice your do you practice your guitar no they don't want to touch it in between lessons i was kind of like what there that same question like what where's the carrot for them because for me like um I want to play that no effect song or actually I am the fourth guitarist for Foo Fighters most days. Um, that's how I use my guitar note that's in the background of the video that no one will be able to see. <laughs> um, yeah. Like what, what's that motivation? It's really hard to find. Chicks or, or, or guys, depending on which way our, our, our kids will eventually uh, fall in terms of the side of the fence, either or. Procreation, baby chickens. Pro, not procreation because that doesn't work if it if if, if it falls in the same sex uh, relationship situation. Finding finding a life partner and connection—that's a more beautiful way of looking at it. And you're much more likely to find someone who's interested in you if you're on a stage rocking out, or you can speak a language, or you're an artist. There's an interesting, isn't it? Yes. Um, so I, as we alluded to earlier. Um, I did an extra A level. I did further maths on top of like my three other A levels. Because you're a dick. which carry on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, further maths. It it got me through. You know what it did actually? It successfully got me through to about the age of twenty three without really making any social interaction with with people. Um, I mean, I'm sure we hung out in that time in some form or other. With new people. Okay. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is good. Um, really? Did you need further maths to become a teacher, which I'm sure you've... No. Yeah, so that further maths that you did to do to get the place on the engineering degree that you have en- ended up, and then the engineering placements in Red Hill? No. Uh, where did where was I, it? it was no East Grinstead. East Grinstead, what a lovely place to commute to in absolute miles. Um, and where did I where did I commute from? I, I, it was far. Where was it? Brixton. Brixton. So you know how the the majority of people live outside of London, and then of a morning mm-hmm. in a week travel in. You you paid lots of money to not be a part of that place that you were in for a period of time that you eventually gave up on and went back to university to study, to be a teacher? No, hang on. You, you changed university? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, I did. <laughs> I've been to a lot of universities. <laughs> Some of them I completed the whole course as well. Nice. Um, I enjoyed it because I got a taste of a few different universities as well because of your indecision. So you, there's an interesting question. For me, for me, hopefully for anyone listening as well. Who cares? So, Have a good time. So, so for, for me, I was at university and then obviously went into a graduate job. Um, pretty much all of our friends were at uni or colleges or kind of courses. <laughs> and then periodically, you would appear with a big bottle of snake bite and black and be like, Hooray! So what... What, we saw you for the fun bits when you were visiting us. But what, was like, what, doing? what was I doing? Yeah, what, what did you do then? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I definitely did have a good time for uh, for that period. So, 
uh, I moved to London, which is where I saw a bit of you that year, wasn't it? The... Yeah, where did you live in London? I lived uh, in West London. I lived in North London. I lived in Highgate. Oh. Uh, because my sister lived up there and I only got a chance to look for places around there and I found a place up there. So that was a bit in bum F nowhere, which is a bit of a pain, but it was all right. It wasn't too far out. Uh, so, and then you were, you were um, over Hammersmith way, what, uh, 2000? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, my first student at house after halls. So we're, yeah, with, with Mike and Taryn and yeah, I shared a room in Hammersmith the night with Mike. That was, that was cool around there. And you were there through till because I was in London then. That was when I saw quite a bit of Bar- Baruch. I think we was, uh, he was he was taking on the bar world and, and still plugging away at being a model. And then you were there that end of that year. And then you were there that spring as well because we hung out that year as well, didn't we, like the spring of 2001? Because I remember, I... I remember hobbling around on crutches in the spring of 2001. So that that would have been when you were 19 and had the knee go badly. No, it was the ankle because I broke my ankle in the following year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I broke my I I finally got back to riding like properly after about a year. Went out to the states for February um to get riding again i got back and in march april time i broke my ankle and i remember that i, I remember being in a vest on crutches going around london with you in, in hammersmith i remember that distinctly so i mean sometimes that was 2001 so what was i doing i was so in in 2000 i was living in london and i worked on that tv show called rad which couldn't be more stupid. oh with remember yeah. with dermot was that with Dermot O'Leary? No, no, no. I met Dermot. Ben Shepherd. I met not Ben, not Ben Shepherd. No, I met Dermot the year before. He was one on fully booked as a roving reporter, oh. and in '99 I taught him to wakeboard, and I had his number for a little while, and I may have called a few too many times. <laughs> I did actually. I did actually. I he very kindly. I went over to Channel Four once, and he did meet me in the foyer of Channel Four. That was my last contact with Dermot O'Leary. So I'm pretty sure, even though I look very different, he may well remember me from way back when. But no, there wasn't a long-lasting friendship with Dermot O'Leary, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, and I then moved out to Farmer in 2001, and I worked out at that Wakewood school over over that way. And then in 2002, I worked um, at a Wakewood school in Staines, which you came to, Prince's Club. Um, and in between all that, I was riding lots and travelling around lots to events, um, and then 2003, I just went freelance and was coaching, had a little bit of sponsorship money, and literally just couch surfed from 2003 to pretty much till 2007. I did have places that my stuff was stored here, there, and everywhere, from a house rent in Surrey to a caravan in Oxford to my dad's house in Birmingham. But most of the time, I was just couch surfing and, until I met my now wife and... I changed my bank address pretty immediately after the first date. I moved my wakeboards in a shed and it was signed and sealed in 2002. <laughs> does that, does that period of, of surfing around people's sofas and things grab, does, do you go back to that when you're kind of, we you like, Oh God, it's so stressful at the moment or like, no, actually wait a minute. I remember when I was just living out of a bag that ground. What, what I, what I, what I, 
what, what I think this is this isn't a good way to think. This is a negative way to think. But anybody in our position where you're suddenly married and there are suddenly obligations and there are suddenly children and you you wonder what you did with all of that time. What every day I do with all of my time not to have made millions in that time in some form or other um and i've never been the best with my time anyway because i'm so flighty and all over the place and i always thinking about other things i've got zero focus which unfortunately my children have as well and that was obviously the problem then things were too i was on the gravy train well not quite literally um but in terms of didn't have any i had fuel phone bill food and drink and that was pretty much it and a little bit of rent in some places for some stuff but not but not really a ridiculous amount and so um and, and that's not unusual i guess for for most people as in they get to a point where suddenly wow i've got no time what the hell did i do with all of that time before um so i certainly think time management should be part of the learning at school they an interesting one on the, the becoming a parent and then going what the because my big difference was i used to wake up on a saturday before children and go oh well there's like an hour and a half until football focus when i had kids it was like oh god it's seven hours until football focus and i never watched it because you couldn't um and so is a big difference. move on exactly um but i was speaking to dean's asked me about this so dean said because dean is um he's He's with his uh, fiance. He's married, um, and they're living together, but no kids yet. So he said to me, like, you know, any advice about how I could really appreciate the time? And it's like, you can't because you can't know what this is like to appreciate what it's like now. It's just impossible. And obviously, there'd be a macabre situation to experience it and then go back. Yeah. So it was just kind of. No, there isn't. Just I can't. I can't make you appreciate your time more. Are you do? Are you, I can just. Are, are you? Have you watched a shit film? Have you blazed in one too many mornings? Have you got that thing that you should have done that you keep putting off? That's all it is, isn't it? Have Have you seen the YouTube clip Parent Fantasy Hotline? No, but I'm going to type that in right now. What is it? <laughs> So it's a little sketch where this guy is in his car and you can see a, a kid's seat in the back seat and he's, he's ringing this number and then like the, the person at the, hello, parent fancy hotline. And he's like, uh, yeah, um, I haven't got long, but can, like, can you just uh, tell me like what, what you're doing? What you doing now? Oh, just hanging around. And what did you, what did you do at the weekend? And the guy goes, <laughs> I love it. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I kind of, um, I met up with a friend. He's like, oh, did you, did you arrange that like ahead of time? And he's like, <laughs> that is so good. That is like, so good. No, I, I just kind of called him up and we met up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then the great one is, I think it's like, he talks about how he went out with a few different people and you just saw people and went out and he's, and then he's like, and then what, what did you do? What did you do the next day? He's like, oh, I just kind of lay in bed until I woke up. No, it was, it was, he said, um, like the next morning, what woke you up? He's like, uh, I just slept until I felt it was time to wake up. 
<laughs> I saw that. It's a really good clip. Put the clip in the show notes. Have, um, you, have you seen um, the video clip? Slightly different vibe to this video clip on uh, on YouTube is the Siamese Brothers sketch. No, is this? <laughs> it's not quite as intellectual. It, it, it's not quite as liberal <laughs> and adult in terms of the uh, the parody of our lives right now. But it's it's well worth a look. It's definitely. One of the best ones I have ever seen. Hang on, let me find this. I am. I will. I will pre-watch this one before putting it into the description. Yeah, I mean, brothers. Or just put some. I might have to put some advisory warnings on this episode. Yeah, man. Oh, hang on, it started playing. (laughs) That is so good. (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, right, so, so 56 40 Matt plays video. Did, did we actually cover anything of a productive nature? Is, is there still some? Have you, got, have, you, have you got a list of questions in front of you? You said there was a schedule to which you were, your, your newfound interviewing skills were working so well. I realized knowing you as well as I do, that I should probably not bother with that worry. Go with the phone, man. That's uh, exactly. a mantra right there. Look at this. I think we're, Look how it's worked I think we're doing a job. I think it's trending along quite nicely. Yeah. <laughs> there, actually, there was a question that occurred to me as you were chatting away about... Um, what, you were listening to the kids. you are thinking of other stuff. Okay, keep going. Oh, I've had to work really hard at that. <laughs> not listening to your guests. And go when you're like, okay, so what's coming up? Do I need to make a note? What now? <laughs> yeah. oh, good. Interviewing 101. Listen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. A- actually listen and genuinely respond to what they say with a thoughtful response. It's, it's not rocket science. Um, it's not further maths. It's not give you that. further I didn't, maths at all. I didn't need further maths for that. No, I was, I was going to ask around. So all of that kind of we've kind of quite nicely led up to you've met Soph and you're kind of into that next stage, but it's around, you mentioned traveling to the US and I know that like that obviously you'd use your summers over here to like teach wakeboarding and compete. And um, I presume that was when you kind of just inadvertently started picking up microphones and emceeing as well. Well, we did. Um, so, so how it actually happened was, so I, I left school at 19 as we all did. You guys, um, or went off to university, slave to the men that you are, to the men, to the man, not slave to the men, that sounds weird. Um, and uh, yeah, I blew my knee and then I got a job working on a TV show in London and then I couldn't wakeboard, but there was this one big event that was starting, it's inaugural, inaugural year, that year called Wakestock, and we had no idea what it was. It was in north, uh, northwest Wales, in a near a little town called Abersock, which is like the, it's almost like, it's like the Hamptons of Liverpool and Manchester, if there is such a okay. to be made. Um, it's 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 quite a well healed part of Wales in terms of the the Riviera for that the the, the northwest. Um, uh, so quite a nice holiday spot, and they just had this this wakeboard festival, which was a music festival with wakeboarding at a different spot. So it was basically good bit of wakeboarding with all the wakeboarders in the UK and a whack and great big party. And then it started off with like one tent on a headland 
few hundred people and turned into a whacking great big festival of three nights and like tens of thousands of people and some big headline acts like every name you can think of from from uh from Biffy Cairo to Dizzy Rascal to so on and so on and so on um and that very first year I went up because I was meant to be riding and I just said I'll help out however you need or I'll just come up for the party and they threw me on the mic and that's where it started so I was probably appalling that first first time round, but at least it was a wakeboarding um and then it wasn't just a commentary of the wakeboarding I actually I actually did the prize giving um and then that turned into me hosting the entire event from introducing a certain number of acts to doing a prize giving on a stage in front of a few thousand and then did a little bit of presenting for then when there was actually TV coverage of stuff back then, as opposed to it just being on the internet for the most part now. And yeah, that, that snowballed into a few other events, which ended up what it, what it meant was, is that in that year when I couldn't ride, I did other things once to, well, I did other things to stay involved and be of worth to the wakeboard scene and therefore my sponsors, which then translated into, as I, got back into wakeboarding. I probably didn't get back into wakeboarding full throttle or at least with the focus that I should have done because I had this other stuff that I had in mind, which I really enjoyed. And ultimately, was I or wasn't I good enough as a wakeboarder to make it? it, it it's it's not particularly likely. Like I, I, I would have had to I would have had to ditch everything and live in the States and got by somehow. And I certainly didn't have the money from sponsors to be able to do that. So I would have had to work somewhere to do it and at a wakeboard school. And it, it could have, it could have been done, but it wasn't very likely. There haven't been, there hasn't been a, there's only been one UK rider. And it's quite recently that he's done it, that has made it in terms of, he is one of the best wakeboarders out there and really hot property. And he's a young lad. And the way that worked for him was his parents paid for him to live with one of the best wakeboarders in the world and he lived on a lake and he and oh shit he, he's amazingly good like out of this world good so poor props and i'm not saying it couldn't be done any other way it's just quite unlikely so i potentially chose unwittingly chose the sensible route of trying to keep both of them going along and it kind of led into me getting more sponsors and always doing more than just the wakeboarding for them so i ended up kind of working behind the scenes and events and sponsorship and and looking after riders and and hosting stuff so i was with relentless energy for a long time and i used to host activations at reading festival isle of white festival and, and and got into a whole bunch of different other sports i hosted uh like snowboarding events and surfing events and so on and so it, it kind of snowboarded. so it, it never felt like a conscious decision luckily not like any of my life has ever felt like a conscious decision being made about anything <laughs> luckily uh uh, yeah, and I have been ridiculously fortunate in that. But I think, like, to give myself a little pat on the back, you, you kind of put yourself in the right position to be in those situations where other people could have done that, but they were either a bit of a dick or they just didn't go the extra yard to be in that position. I suppose it's a bit of hustle, a bit of awareness, isn't it, as well? Like, That's actually like you said about weight stuff. Can I be of any use? Yeah. Like helping helping sort of make some from making sandwiches to spotting you know when someone needs a bit of a hand and just being aware but that's the best way of describing it actually uh, uh, being pushy having a bit of hustle and having an awareness 
like literally an innate awareness of, of where you need to place yourself to be of use to someone. Yeah. And, and you'll get a lot of grief for that because if you try and stand up and be counted, especially in a sport where it's not cool to stand up and be counted as in action sports, or it wasn't then less so wakeboarding, but you can imagine skateboarding and BMXing. If someone is a little bit, Hey, let's all go skateboarding together. Then that's not really the cool. You can get away with it a bit more in wakeboarding because it sits a little further down the hierarchy of action sports. Um, and, uh, it's a little wakeboarding, say like snowboarding, like skiing. It's a little bit, once again, there's that phrase again, well healed as in it costs a bit of money to be able to get into. And so I certainly came from a comfortable background to be given that opportunity, but didn't have that excess of money to get pushed the extra yard. So from a certain age, from 19, I was, I was funding my, funding, funding myself in, in terms of life, which is how it should be. So Yeah. Hustle, hustle and awareness that's a good way of describing it very i mean very different scenario but when previous to covid when we did in-person events so we'd like get a load of trainers along and do an event for a school so like you know maybe sort of 100 200 people they go off to sessions with trainers um it like for us in terms of who we work with a bit more yes they deliver good sessions but it doesn't harm them if they arrive early doors with us help us put the badges out and just another pair of eyes to go oh the the music's not playing in the in the the main room you know that nice transition so they put a bit of music on just to make it you know a nice event for everyone little things like that um do make a difference and i spot those people yeah it's it's awareness and that's what i love about um about the action sports world it takes a certain amount of balls or someone who isn't very good at skateboarding or BMXing or or, or even scooting to go along to a skate park and just throw themselves in with lots of kids, older kids, younger kids who are really good. Um, And the only reason I've got the balls to do it is because now is because I'm going there with my, with my kids. I I wouldn't generally go to a skate park on my own because I'm not very good at skateboarding, but I can go there and play around on a board or a BMX now and I can get away with it because I'm looking after the kids. Um, so that's the way. This. But for those kids being around, all those adults are just getting stuck in and standing next to them and being aware of etiquette at a skate park and, and so on. That is the world. And the same at wake parks, actually, just to hang out with lots of people all around, getting stuck in a sport and just let them kind of do their own thing. I mean, obviously not too much around water, but <laughs> but, but I, 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 I honestly don't think there is any better environment for kids in terms of alternative sports in that way, because they so are out of the norm. They take some balls to actually do to start with. It's not like kicking a ball or throwing a ball or hitting something with a racket. Certainly you get that kind of confidence building and that networking and that socializing at football clubs or rugby clubs, etc. It's just not the same. It, 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 it is good. It's amazing. And every kid should be part of some sort of club for sport. But action sports, something different. It's something entirely different. To stand at the top of a mountain and flick yourself down it or a dry slope or drop in on a ramp. Like, would you ever drop in on a quarter pipe on a scooter? Oh, I, you, you look at... So I, I I really wish I could skateboard. It's sort of one of like the things yeah, that... Me too. If I could pick one thing, I'd be like, to be able to do that. I've got my Instagram feed is just people doing amazing things on skateboards. You stand at the top of a really small ramp and go, 
oh my word, that's a long way. Um, and yeah, that that balls. Actually, my nine-year-old broke his leg, had a full leg cast from doing just that. Um, Where were you? He, I was at home working. Kirsty oh. was with the two boys, See. so she had to kind of get a a passed out kid a few scooters and a bike back into the car and then get him home. Oh my gosh, that is bad. Yeah, that's why, so, I mean, I, I don't mind taking charge of it um, because, yeah, it's better that one of the kids breaks themselves with me than with Soph because I might be able to deal with it a little bit better and it's to be expected anyway, so it would be fair if she did it. They'd, they'd never skate or BMX again if they did it with them. Um, but yeah, I'm just saying, like, Kit, he'll drop into a to a quarter pipe on a scooter. Now I can do it on a skateboard. On a scooter, that's scary. And then the the the, the, the balls on that, it's yeah, it's impressive. So I I think like I love that that idea of of, of this guy that that, that um, what was his name with the uh, fast skate? Oh, Brent. Brent. That is just amazing. And I I would love to do something like that on a big. You can't do it with with wakeboarding, skateboarding, BMX makes sense, but. To do something like that, like an academy of action sports that gives kids the opportunity to have a play with these things, like a like a mobile mini dry ski slope or something like that. I, I don't know. It just it would be the best for all of those kids who aren't into football or rugby or all those other sports or for all of the kids who are. It would be the best thing. It should be part like a Camp Woodward here in the UK. You, you, you know, Camp Woodward? No. Oh my gosh. I feel like I should. You should. You should. So summer camps in the States are, are a norm, aren't they? They're, they're, that's just standard. Parents just hitching their kids off to summer camps, to fat camp or rocket camp or what, whatever it is. Camp Woodward is a summer camp, but it is a summer camp that you actually want to go to, that I would want to go to. And they've got like one in California. I think it's Pennsylvania is one of them. And then they've got one in the, in the snow. And this one, this first one, it's got, it, 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 it's a huge, huge complex, and it's got probably about six different skate parks inside and out, foam pits, trampoline halls, parkour, digital media. They've even got a mini wakeboard park, and that's their summer camp. It's mind-boggling. You've got to look it up. And, uh, there is something that opened up in the UK up in Manchester called Greystone, uh, um, Greystone Action Sports, which is a, a, it's a skateboard, BMX, scooter park. But they've also got a trampoline and a tumbling and a parkour area, and they were trying to go that route. Um, it's it's not quite the same, but it's it's the only facility of its kind. They've got a bunch of them over in Europe, you know, like mega ramps into foam pits, trampoline halls that aren't. That's it's not like flip out. It's a little bit like flip out or anything like that, but with skateboarding and BMXing and proper foam pits. It's that's what we need. They're amazing. Well, Brent was saying about that when they're doing their maths lessons at the Fast Skate Academy, if it gets a bit too much, they jump on the quarter pipe, um, get that out of their system, and then they get back on with it afterwards. That's <laughs> like that. I I could live in that school. You could. We yeah. Could. I, uh, I the 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 normal question actually that we that we pay, we sort of put to people towards the end of a podcast episode is kind of what you know. What would you like to achieve? What you like to do? What would? I mean, you've kind of answered that then, inadvertently. Well, my, one of my dreams is certainly to to have uh, a weight park of my own, which is which is it, it's it, it's it's a tough it's it, it's a tough um, 
it's a tough prospect because you need water or land to dig and there's no water really fresh water around near me and to dig is a different prospect altogether but yeah that camp woodward style thing is a dream or um a, a friend of ours one of um one of the parents at a, a, a lad's school uh this is something uh, that you guys should look up it is incredible we just did it tonight it's called zoom ball and they have 300 kids um signing in to do football skills with his father, Gavin, who is a mind-blowingly amazing, enthusiastic, hyperactive coach that just, with football, it's easy, isn't it? Because you can do small skills that gets people pumped, that gets people running around. And it was actually really fun. And then they had, who I, who I didn't know, because I've no interest in football whatsoever, other than playing it is fun. They had Mason Mount, who saw that this had happened. They'd been on new, local news and he he got in touch with them to say, I'd, I'd like to come on and do a Q&A, which is... Wow. And I was jealous immediately because I think, oh, my God, that's so cool for the kids. I wish I was into football, kind of, but not really. So could we do something with rugby? Or could you do something like that with action sports? I don't know. So I, I start to get... I know enough people who maybe if it was for kids, you could get them to come along and get involved. But it's just a little bit more difficult with skateboarding and scooting so something like that would be cool on, on lockdown to have a little bit of engagement and and get people pumped about something a little bit different that would be that would be cool but definitely look that up if you could put a link in this that would be amazing to get people signed in and good good on mason as well um i taught i taught mason maths um what for gcse it sounds more interesting than when you find out that i our school sent teachers over to the Chelsea Academy to deliver lessons. That so I taught. Cool. So there are three, there are three players in the Chelsea first team at the moment who I have taught maths to, but that's because I went to the, the, the training ground and that was my job to do it. But on what I will say about Mason is he is a absolute delight. He was so committed in the classroom and a lot of coaches said, basically it's the same on the training field. So um he deserves his success because he was uh he's just always very very honest and hard working it's yeah that kind of warms the cockles doesn't it when 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 a nice footballer <laughs> yeah well no i didn't mean that i mean when big big time people who are big time in any form actually turn out to be pretty cool as well so yeah all power to him and uh yes i, I, I mean yeah that, that was amazing so, so something like that like i I really want. I, I had it in my head last year that I was going to do this um, this tour of getting um, youngsters wakeboarding. So I got my kids on the water kit, like just under three, and Jasper still kind of forcing him. Um, he's not that keen, but he'll still get forced whether he likes it or not. But get youngsters who don't usually get the opportunity at wakeboard schools. Like most wakeboard schools, they'll have a a lower age limit of of, of six or eight. But I've actually got a way of teaching kids much younger than that if they're up for it. So that was one of my things to do a tour around the UK of doing youngsters as young, as long as they're comfortable in water, totally happy for them and getting wet. You can get them wakeboarding. Um, so that's what I would like to do this summer for sure. The far wake Academy. The far. Um, what could we, uh, yeah. What, why far? What does that stand for? Oh yeah. So obviously don't listen to what I'm about to say, go back and listen to the other episode. But Brent said he, I think it was like a kid had built a skateboard and Brent went, let's make a company. Let's do this. 
Um, so he let the kid decide what he wanted the company to be called. And the kid was like, well, my two favorite bands are Foo Fighters and Rage Against the Machine. So it was like Fooage or something like that. Um, but I think like they managed to shorten it to F-A-R for like Foo Fighters and Rage Against the Machine. Somehow it came out as far. Um, but it basically let a kid name it. Nice. That's a nice ring. So Kit, <laughs> Kit, Kit, what do you want to call it? That's uh, what you need to go and ask him next. No, he won't. Well, I'm sure he's no, no, he won't get any involvement in the name. It'll be my name. <laughs> I'm all about our kids just finding ways to learn. No, I'm going to decide. Yeah, kids, I'm, start decide. Up. I'm in charge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Matt, it's been a pleasure. Uh, obviously a catch-up as well. Um, but I think I, I wasn't expecting it to quite go down that route, so... Really, really interested. Quite high for looting, and, uh, and 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 yeah. yeah. Well, well, thank you for not expecting that. That makes me feel better about myself, kind of. The most don't yeah. don't get into expectations. I still remember the time that you sat myself and our other friend Ben down and gave us a talking to, where you said we were supposed to sit in there. Right? Oh, he's really angry with us. And you said, Ben, to me, I might have expected of you. But the other band, you went, but not you. Hey! What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.